Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by MasterCard. A few weeks ago, we celebrated the birthday of the King of Spin, Shane Warne, with a special episode involving some of Warney's friends and foes, plus the man himself. We captured so much gold that it couldn't all fit into one episode, so here are the extras that didn't make the final cut. In order, you'll hear from Ian Healy, Nasser Hussain, Ricky Ponning, Glenn McGrath and Warne, before we finish with McGrath, Ponting and Mike Cussey reliving Warney's magic 700th test wicket. Oh dear. I doubt very much if he picked that. If he did, it was very ambitious. What was your view of that, that, that dismissal? The Gatting ball, you were right behind it. Could you believe what happened? No, not really. Um, that's a perfect uh, storm of just enoughs. Everything was just, just enough. It swung in just enough. Gat was just slow enough not to get his foot right out to the ball, so it didn't move enough. And and then his bat came down just slowly enough. I was thinking as a wicketkeeper, he's not going to hit this. and But still you don't think it's going to hit the stumps because it's swung and drifted into outside leg. And Gat's having a look at this bloke. He'd been smashed around against Worcester just last week. So we'll have a good look at this young bloke. And he didn't know uh, that, that he had these weapons, you know. Um, so, and sure, sure enough, the, the bat didn't come down well enough and sharply enough, and it just then clipped off stump. It, it just spun enough and just hit enough of the stump. So it, it was a, a perfect storm to start your, your English career. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gatting has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. Uh, we'd seen him bowl bigger things in, in a tour just prior to the, that England tour in New Zealand. And that's where he was beating the bat by six and eight inches, you, you know. So we, that's when we had to say, oh, I think you have to pitch the ball outside leg. And his great skill is his accuracy and his ability to change immediately. Normally leg spinners, if you're changing their line from off stump to leg stump, it'll take a while. It'll take a little over or two to get it over there. He could do it the, the next ball. So, um, you know, he, he started to drift into leg and outside leg so that it brought the bat into play. Nearly impossible to score off. And then he'd read what you're thinking and put his field right where you don't want them. So it was a horrible 15 years for England. Do you ever think we'll see another Shane Warne? Oh, look, you'd have to say we'll probably see another Shane Warne. You and I mightn't. Um, that They seem to come along once a generation and maybe a little bit spread out, more spread out than that. You know, you look at uh, Grimmett, O'Reilly, Benno, Warne, you know, it's that type of thing. So you'd have to say we'll go with tradition and there'll be another one somewhere along the line. But how lucky have we been to have him? Have you got a favourite dismissal? Is there one that sticks out in your mind, you keeping? Um... Oh, not really. It was always a good pleasure. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head now, but uh, it was always a pleasure to uh, either get a nick off the flipper, mm. um, a little where the batsman's misread it and we haven't, um, or just an outside edge with the spin, you know, leg spinner, drifts into leg, 
you know, spins and bites away and gets the edge and my gloves keep going with it. Um, so so that they're always a, a good feeling, um, whether it was a, you know, a Perth or a Brisbane-type wicket or a spinning, spinning wicket in India or Pakistan. Um, a couple of high-bouncing stumpings now spring to mind, you know, and Graham Thorpe twice, I think, once in Perth and once at Edgbaston. So balls that did spin and bounced, and I had confidence or technique to be soft with it grab it up shoulder height and get it back and beat Thorpey back into the into the crease so that they would be two good ones as a captain what were the team talks about preparing to face him during a game after a game well, it's not someone you have to overbuild up really there's no point saying to him all crikey warns the threat that was blatantly obvious for most of the decade that I played against him, you knew Warren one end, McGrath the other. But what I've just said really about trying not to look at him and say it's shame, Warren. Um, we tried for a while, Stephen Fleming, we tried. I mean, I always looked across at New Zealand, at how New Zealand were doing against Australia. And New Zealand always seemed to do well or better, which wasn't difficult, than we did against Australia with a very similar sort of side. And I thought Flem was a brilliant captain. So I think Flem's tactic was to sit on McGrath because leave McGrath as much as possible especially in Australia and go after Warren and actually if you've looked at the best players who've actually played Warren are the ones that have actually gone after him a little bit Peterson 05 etc ones have actually backed themselves a little bit so if you just sit there you're a sitting duck I mean everyone goes on about McGrath and Warren and wicket taking actually if you look at them not only to take wickets but their control they gave any Australian captain and that is a deadly combination, wicket-taking and mm. control. You're not going very very far very quickly. You said he was an easy player to pick relatively compared to other spinners around. Could you pick the flipper and the wrong and things like that? Well, the flipper for us in England, now remember we don't have as much of a history of leg spinners, Australian and Benno and people like that. So that's my point. When I was sitting at home and Australian commentators that I hugely respect, like Benno and Chapel and all these are going on about the flipper. I'm going to my dictionary or my cricketer's <laughs> almanac to find out what is a flipper, you know. And then, you know, we, I remember that game, Stewie, after getting out, Stewie and Athers, Stewie set up Stewie perfectly, bowled him a slightly shorter one, and Stewie cut it for four. And then the next delivery, virtually the same delivery, was the flipper. And Stewie thought, same ball, cut it for four, bowled him. And I remember Stewie... And Athers being up on the TV gantry, looking through like binoculars to see this new delivery. It was new to us. It wasn't new to him or Australia. The flipper. So what you had to say as a batter, because you knew Shane Warne didn't bowl much dross, didn't bowl much rubbish, that if he did drag one down, just bear in mind that the next one might look like a long op, but it possibly ain't. Have you found him off the field since your playing days are over? Uh, well, a very, very good cricket brain, you know. <laughs> For obvious reasons, he may not have captained Aussie <laughs> as much as he as he could have done. But boy, does he have a very good cricket brain and would have made an exceptional captain. He he thinks well. You knew that when you played with him a little bit or played against him. You can see him out thinking you at times and moving fields and setting you up. A very good cricket brain. And also, you know, I find sometimes you, you, you meet up with these legends and you work with these legends and sort of cricket, they do it and then... You know, they don't really care about it that much. But Shane absolutely cares. He'll be at the back of the box and he'll be chuntering away at something. Him and Ricky will be having a row about 05 Edgebaston toss or something yet again. <laughs> so, you know, he absolutely cares. He is, 
he might make out that you know cricket is just something he's good at, but actually um, he's a cricket nut as well. Do you ever bring up any success against him, or is it sort of two ones? It's a very uh, small sample size. So <laughs> every time I turn up to Edge Baston, I might mention that uh, you know I got more boundaries and in innings for an Englishman than anyone else against Australia, and most of them were against you, Shane. And then he'll reel off the amount of times he's got me out. So I'm losing that battle um, and if there's a battle I don't mind losing it's against Shane really but he gives as good as he gets we have we're very lucky in there we have Ricky in there at the moment as well so you know I, I'm working with some absolute legends two of my heroes growing up in Gower and Botham and two of the people when I played against I admired hugely in Ponting and Warren and he's a very professional man Shane Warren but one thing slightly unprofessional about him is his one diet. thing that's slightly unprofessional. Well, okay. All right, carry just on. picking out one. <laughs> is his diet, which has been spoken about a lot. Have you found that for a man? I didn't know that side of him. <laughs> I obviously know, knew at times he was carrying a bit of timber. And at times he missed the odd series because he was carrying a bit of timber. But I didn't know that. I'd heard rumours. But, you know, when he first worked at Sky, he'd come in the com box and the poor runner would come up and have a list of, like, various things, some very healthy options. And Shane would just go, right, pizza, mate. Like, poor lad will look at him, you know, go, where am I going to get? There's no pizza hut or pizza express <laughs> around here. So he's going around the ground looking for pizza. And then it'll be chips, chips, mate. Like, oh, my God, where am I going to get chips from? Chips with ketchup, mate. And then suddenly Shane will go off into some kind of diet that he's on where now he's, for example, pasta or pasta, as he calls it. He would call the young lad over, I need some pasta today. And this lad has to, even though it's not on the menu. So he flips from one to the other but his willpower is non-existent i'd say he'd go for day three and he's had a couple of pastas then and he'll be like mate can i have some chips uh, and some pizza for the rest of the test oh! got in the flipper he was too conservative today hansi cronier he was working in a defensive frame of mind and the flipper was spot on superb bowling wonderful bowling by shane warne he's really been trying to peg him down and keep him quiet and this absolutely bamboozled him totally what about as a player uh, you would have played with him in your debut all the way up to the end of his career uh, what was he like as a as a bowler um, first of all as a teammate before you were captain what was he like um, you were out there in the field watching him do his stuff yeah well I'd, I'd obviously had a chance to watch him um, before I got a chance to play with him you know he debuted a few years before me but um, yeah I mean the legend was there even before I had a chance to play with him so I was obviously um, whenever I had a, you know, got the chance to play for Australia with Warney it was a, it was a huge thrill I mean he's you know, the greatest spin bowler of all time I believe um, you know Murali's obviously got all the the wickets up there, but um, I'm pretty sure you you know you ask most people around the world um, that played against Warney and Murley, they probably I think they'd all have Warney on top and and just for the sheer fact the amount of games that he won as well you know we had it was a pretty golden era that we played in and but he just won so many games so um, yeah some fantastic memories um, both on and off the field with Warney we're obviously great lovers of golf as well we play a lot of golf together now we live just around the corner from each other so yeah through that 35 years we've spent um, there's been lots of uh, lots of good times. In the nets, did he make you a better batter? Well, yeah, he did. But at that at that time, it was all around world cricket. There weren't a lot of leg spinners. You know, India had Kumble. Um, I know there were probably a few. Pakistan had um, Canaria. Yeah, yeah, he was a good, he was a good bowler. But there weren't a lot of them around. So, but 
And I think the the sad thing about it, I guess, at that stage, the fact that we were playing a lot for Australia together meant we weren't playing much against each other back in our state system. I think I only played one Shield game against Warnie in our whole careers, which is remarkable. Mm. Uh, two Shield games, actually. One in Hobart and we played one at the MCG. And the other time I played against him would be Australia A, those Australia-Australia Australia A games that we played. So, um, yeah, so whenever you got to face him in the Nets, um, it was a great a great challenge for everybody, yeah. What were those games like when you did play against him? He got me out in an A game. He got me caught at deep mid-wicket in Adelaide um, for 50-odd. Uh, he didn't get me out in either of the Shield games. So, um, yeah. I, but I'm not sure how much he bowled either. I think um, the one in Hobart, I remember being a really windy day that he bowled actually bowled medium pace from one end. It was that windy. It, was like, it reminded me of what it was like here the other day with the bales off. We actually had the bales off down there. He bowled medium pace from one end and all the fast bowlers were rotating from the other end. So, probably not a fair reflection. In the commentary box, you yeah. guys you get to sit next to him, watch yeah. the game, and, and and analyze it. What do you make him as an analyst? And I always feel like when the pair of you together, he sort of lifts his game a little bit. Does he? I'm just sitting beside him a little bit more then. Um, no, look, I, as I said about the game, I think he understands the game brilliantly well. I think he's got a great um, way of being able to explain the game to people as well, and and probably bring the tactical side of the game a bit closer to the the average person in the crowd. I think that's what certainly the way I look at commentary as well. But that that's the way that I think he commentates. You know, he's a bit ultra-aggressive with, with his views and thoughts on where the game's at. Certainly test cricket is always about doing this, need a wicket now, this is the field you've got to set, this is how you've got to bowl. All about trying to get, take the game forward, which is what he was as a player. So, um, yeah, look, I've what, over the years, you know, while I was still playing, always enjoyed listening to his views and thoughts on the game. And now that I've retired and slipping into a bit of that stuff myself, it's great to be able to work alongside him. So, um, And then, uh, you know, days off, we get to play some golf together. So it's good. Test wickets for Shane Warren. That was a beautiful delivery to get it. That was Queen Bold for 45. What did it mean to you to finish your test career side by side, walk off the SCG together? Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty special. Um, I think I remember a few years prior, Warney came up to me and said, you know, Pitch, when we retire, we should retire at the same time. And I didn't really give it much thought, but the more I thought about it afterwards, I thought, well, if we retire at the same time, Warney started 12 months before me. He'll definitely finish with uh, more test wickets than me. So I'm not sure that was <laughs> his agenda there. But, you know, to, to be able to finish um, the same test match, uh, to, to announce our retirement before the uh, Boxing Day test and then the Sydney test was incredible. Those last two matches were, were something special. To then go and regain the Ashes 5-0, uh, I think it was just the icing on the cake. And going into that last day at Sydney, um, to be able to finish both our careers bowling, him from uh, the Paddington end and I was bowling from the, the Randwick end, uh, was, was pretty special. And uh, I was lucky enough to get Jimmy Anderson out with the slower ball, caught uh, Mike Hussey at mid-on, and I think I finally got one over on Shano. I got a wicket on my last ball in Test cricket. But he finished with, I think it was 708 Test wickets, which is absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Murali beat him, but uh, yeah, Warney's one of the greatest of all time, without a doubt. Oh, yes! What a beauty! A quicker, flatter ball, and it did side Anwar quite beautifully. How about some fondest memories? I mean, you've won Ashes, World Cups, um, countless Test matches. What are some of the memories that stick out for you? Um... Geez, well, I was so lucky just playing with the guys that we played. I think you don't so much miss the playing. It's more the camaraderie of people in the dressing room, the guys that you had, the, the silly stuff that happened, uh, the banter you had with everyone. 
Um, you missed that. Um, some of the highlights, I think that my first ever Ashes tour in 93 here, watching Australia-England battles for so long, mm. uh, playing club cricket over here in England in 89 and watching them regain the Ashes. Um, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be nice to be part of that someday? Then to find myself part of it in 93, four years later, um, was remarkable. The group of guys we had was was amazing. So, yeah, that 93 Ashes Tour, the first ever trip to South Africa after a part of Australia in 94. Mm. I got the opportunity to meet De Klerk and Mandela. Um, did some pretty amazing things, safaris and that, that group of guys we had too. What it meant to the South African country to have the Aussies back again um, was huge. Um, so, yeah, that was, those two tours really stand out. Uh, World Cup win in 99 um, w- was amazing considering... You know, as I was vice captain, Tugger was captain, and to us talking about how we're going to, to win the World Cup, planning that, started off really ordinary. Yeah. It didn't do very well to come through, and I think we had to win seven games in a row to get the World Cup done, and we did. We couldn't lose one game. Um, to do that and end up being, you know, bowling my best, saving it for the best in the semi final and a final, four for him both, and help us win the game. Because um, was there talk you might have given it away in that? In that tournament? Well, I was really disappointed with what happened in the West Indies after my shoulder. I wasn't bowling that well. And I felt like I was a bit of a scapegoat for us not bowling that well. And as vice captain and backing Steve War up as much as I did, to not be part of that last test was disappointing. So then we go to the World Cup and things weren't going great. I wasn't enjoying the cricket. We weren't playing that well. Um, And I thought, you know what, maybe I'm better off away from all of this. You know, there have been so many ups and downs and so many things happen and all happened very quickly and I think I was asked the question and I just thought well you know at the end of the World Cup I was just being honest I thought at the end of the World Cup I you know I might think about what I want to do mm. you know because I wasn't enjoying it and you shouldn't and it wasn't a threat or anything like that it was just I was I, I answered the question honestly of how I was feeling um yeah so then after that I started things started to go okay my shoulder came back a lot better I was starting to bowl well enough again started enjoying my cricket again and then played for another seven or eight years or whatever it was after that how about Stories from the dressing room. What was it like playing in that era and what was it like being around some of those absolute legends that are going to go down in history? Yeah, I mean, how lucky were we from, you know, the late 80s, early 90s to, you know, those mid-2000s from the teams that we played in and the characters that we had, you know, go back to Alan Border and Merv Hughes, those type of guys. Bruce Reed I played with at a test match. Uh, then to go through the years and the McGraths came on the scene and the Gillespies, the Lees, the Pontings. Uh, then later on, there was the Gilchrists. Um, so, yeah, we were very lucky to have some wonderful batters, bowlers, some great players, some of the greatest ever to play for Australia. We dominated world cricket for a long period of time, only lost a couple of series. Um, I think in all of that time, we only lost, I think, seven test matches or eight test matches mm. against England. Mm. Uh, in all the Ashes, I think in eight Ashes series, I think we only lost seven or eight um, test matches out of all of them. Um and I think Ashes cricket for any Australian, you know, no matter what you do against Pakistan or India or South Africa or New Zealand, it doesn't really matter. Well, it does, but what you do in England in Ashes, or well, what you do against England in Ashes cricket can define your whole career. And I'm pretty proud of the bat and the ball catching and everything against um, England. I sort of always brought out the best in me. Mm. And I think, you know, I'm pretty happy with my numbers against England. 195 wickets, I think. 90 a top score. You did miss out on 100, though, 99. I don't yeah, want to bring it up. No, but I choked, gassed Glenn, it. Glenn McGrath told, told a good story about that. <laughs> when he was batting out there? Yeah. I'm sure he exaggerated a little bit too, Pidgey. <laughs> um, yeah, look, 
I had probably four or five legitimate chances to get 100 at Test Cricket. I got a 99 in Perth. 90 here, I think, wasn't it, Manchester? Yeah. Uh, I got a couple of 86s too. I got 86 against Pakistan in at the Gabba, out hooking. I was out hooking for 90 as well here. Um, and I just hit mushy for five sixes down the ground too. And then <laughs> yeah, out for 86. And 86 against uh, India and Adelaide as well. So he had plenty of chances, but uh, unfortunately um, couldn't get it done. So now I end up with a record of the most test runs in the history of the game <laughs> without 100 yet. Thanks. Hey, a record. Thanks, thanks. A record's a record. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now that's close. That's the slider. Yep. What are some of your, your best, your, your top Shane Warne memories? Oh, there's, there's quite a few. Um, Ones that you can tell us. Uh, I know. <laughs> They're all good. There's never a dull moment with Shane you know, he's an amazing character. So um, probably one of my late, latest ones towards the end of our career was uh, when Warney was on 699 test wickets at the MCG. Uh, we'd both just announced our retirements at the start of the, the match. Warney did his first in front of a, a capacitive long room at the uh, MCG and mine a little bit uh, smaller in the indoor nets, <laughs> I think, the day or so afterwards. But... Yeah, Warney, he just he knew the game so well. Uh, he he could read the game, he could adapt, uh, and he had such incredible control in his bowling. And he was on 699 Test wickets. The English captain was uh, was batting, uh, and it was in front of nearly a capacity crowd at the MCG. We were bowling, and you could hear the crowd were getting a little bit edgy, and and uh, Bay Thirteen were calling out to Ricky Ponting, saying, "Bring Warney on," you know, and, and a few of the other you know members in the crowd were saying, "Come on, get him on, get him on," and you could hear everything out in the middle. And sure enough, I saw Ricky turn to Warney and gave him the signal to sort of warm up, and the crowd could see as well, and so they started to get fired up. That morning, I remember it. There were, it was a little bit green, and then it was nipping a little bit. And his theory's always been, if it seems, it spins, right? So. Yeah. Uh, we, I was operating with the quicks because I thought they were going to be a good chance. And I just, I could just feel it. Like I could just feel that he wanted the ball. He wanted the ball. And then I'd held him back a little bit. Might have been an hour and a half, maybe into the first session before I gave him the ball. And I was fielding it mid on, and he comes over to me at the start of the over, before he bowls, and he goes, "Pitch the first three balls. I'm going to keep it tight. The fourth ball, I'm going to toss up. Strauss, he's going to go try to slog sweep me, and I'll bowl him through the gate." <laughs> and I said. That sounds like a pretty good plan to me, Warning. And so off he goes. You know, he's pretty happy, pretty confident. The first three balls, true to what? The first three balls keeps tight. The fourth ball he tosses up. And I'm not sure if if uh, Straussy was listening into the conversation, but he sort of walks into it. He didn't sl- try to slog sweep, but he tried to whip it through or over mid-wicket. And the ball spun back and bowled him through the gate. beautiful delivery to get um, Andrew Strauss bowled through the gate and then he just took off on this run. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all trying to chase him around to try and celebrate with him and we finally caught up with him and the first thing he said was, poor, I shouldn't have done that. I'm absolutely buggered. <laughs> if you watch the replay of it, you watch the footage, he sort of celebrates like he does and looks to the crowd and he looks over at me and just points his finger at me like that, like almost like you mate, you're half an hour too late. Well, he'll be able to talk about, don't worry about the 700th wicket, he'll be able to talk about the day they couldn't catch him. That'll please him most of all. You know, to take your 700th test wicket, absolutely incredible. In front of capacity crowd, MCG, home ground for him. You know, it just 
there's no better way for for warning to uh to bring it up and yeah he knew exactly what to do went out and did it and got the results so 700 test wickets in front of the mcg crowd yeah perfect uh perfect script for warning Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.